Thursday morning broadcast. Yeah, believe it or not, it's already Thursday. Hard to believe, huh? <laughs> Here we are at JMDM on this Thursday broadcast. Well, it's one of the few times that I actually released source material for a conversation on the air. <laughs> Many of you may have seen over the last couple of days a New York Times article that I think originally was posted on Thursday and printed afterwards um, about um, basically kosher bacon. Is it possible? Here's the headline of the article. Meat labs pursue a once impossible goal, kosher bacon. And the way it's described, a meat that is grown in laboratories from animal cells. It's known as clean meat. And this can possibly get us to the point where we will be enjoying, quote-unquote, kosher bacon at some point. Rabbi Menachem Ganak, our amazing friend and the CEO of the Orthodox Union's Kashrus Division, is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Ganak, first and foremost, a good year to you. Happy, healthy, and sweet New Year, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, to you, Nachum. Good to be with you again. I appreciate that. Let, let me work my way backwards through this, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm just an average guy trying to understand this. I'm no scientist. Uh, you already declared in the article that because this is um, a meat, quote-unquote, this clean meat grown in labs from animal cells, that it's likely, when push comes to shove, that you would rule that it's something that would not be considered a parv item. It's likely something that we would have to consider a meat item. Would that be, would that be accurate? Yes. Okay. I mean, depending on the technology, in terms of the current technology, it would seem to me that it's a, it's a meat item. All right, with that being the case then, why would something that comes from animal cells that one would suspect, at least I'm suspecting, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, animal cells from a non-kosher animal, why would it be that we would ever possibly consider the result of those experiments and those transformations as kosher? Well, first of all, just a few caveats here, which I don't, I don't think the New York Times had in its article, we're only talking about taking cells from an animal that was shachtan, that was slaughtered up Ah, okay. They did not. They did not point that out. They, they made it seem right. like it's coming from a non-kosher animal. Right. So that's it. So once animal cells are utilized in, in the lab, and, and this, what would we call it? Some type of synthetic. I mean, they call it clean meat. Well, there's lots of different names: either synthetic meat or clean meat. Right. right. So once it's developed uh, into, I guess, not what what the regular, what the world would consider real bacon, but I guess something that is very similar to in looks and taste to bacon. If it comes from uh, kosher animal cells, then well, well, they would talk about kosher bacon. Actually, in the article, right? I mean, this is something which we don't agree with. There were people who they've spoken to in Israel or the opinion: if you take it from, let's say, you know, part of the animal which is not, normally not edible, that 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 would be, that, and, and you propagate it, that would be kosher. I, I, I don't agree with that. Because we have a principle, yotzim and also, also, that which is derived from something not kosher is also not kosher. So uh, I, I don't, I, kosher bacon is not currently on the horizon. Uh, even, even, but I thought they're painting a picture that this kosher bacon could be made from those animal cells that you just said moments ago would be coming from a kosher animal. No, 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 no. They were talking about, I mean, that, then you're just changing the taste. That, that's possibly not. We have now, you know, the Impossible Burger, right. which is a huge hit. Right now, it's currently being marketed only to restaurants, but it tastes, it tastes like it's purely vegetable, and they've isolated the technology. Is they've isolated part of the taste of the thing that gives the meat its its taste is primarily the, you know, 
certain enzymes are t- tasted within the fat, and they've isolated that, and they've um, recreated with soy and so on, and they're, and they're putting into, you know, vegetable product, and it tastes like a burger. Now, I haven't tasted it yet. Have you spoken to somebody who's authenticated it that has said that it really, really, really does taste like a hamburger? I have indeed. Wow. It's pretty good. And um, in this case, you've indicated in the article, at least the quote that they attributed to you, that this development, this clean meat development, let's forget for a moment whether you know it's going to be parver meat or whether it's you know what, what type of animal cells need to be used. But once it's developed and once um, you and other decisors claim that it's kosher, it will drastically reduce the cost of kosher meat. How will that work? Well, in terms of kosher meat, the impact could be could be significant because kosher meat is obviously more expensive than than non-kosher meat. Um, one of the reasons that it's more more expensive is when we shecht an animal, we only get let's say about forty percent. Let's use that as the number. Right. And sometimes it's it's significantly less um, that ends up being kosher after we've checked it because um, you know there may be in terms of the lung, silchus, some adhesions to the lung which make it trafe. And that 40% is really half of that because we don't use the, the hindquarters of the animal, the chelakacharayim, that's our minnow. Some do, but we don't. So we're really only getting 20% at a maximum kosher from this animal. Um, and, and, and producing kosher is much more expensive because the, the opportunity cost, you have to have a shochet. It runs at a much, much slower rate than a kosher, a non-kosher facility. So that's what makes kosher meat more expensive. But it, here, if you think about it, we, sh- we shecht an animal, we get the cells from an animal that we know is already kosher, a glad kosher animal, and then they propagate it in a, in a laboratory environment, and ultimately they grow these things in an industrial you know, environment. And then... Um, is it Tamar? And then... And then... And then... And then... After they've grown in an industrial environment. Yeah. So you've gotten 100% kosher. Hmm. And at a much cheaper cost. And the reason I asked that with a little bit of cynicism is because uh, I would guess that that nonetheless, even though a lot of the things that you pointed out today uh, that are included in the kosher process would not be there, it does sound somewhat complicated. You're still dealing with, you know, professional staff. Um, who you know need to do this entire process? Right. Well, I mean, listen, this this technology we're not there yet. You know they've produced. Well, you, you, I'm sure you might have seen the in the paper a few years ago. You know the big story about the three hundred fifty thousand dollar burger, right? Which was produced in Holland. This technology starts as a Dutch technology, but you know we're not there yet. There are several startup companies working on this, but they're doing it not for, obviously for the kosher um, market. They're doing it. I meant for the for, you know for the general market, um, and you know because there are other aside from you know the, the, the advantages in terms of maybe value it, and so on. If they assume they can get because the economy of scale and they get the technology right, which they they're years away from still at this point, um, the is tremendously there's a tremendous impact in terms of the environment because the amount of CO2 of carbon dioxide produced in the United States by cattle, you know, for the meat industry primarily, is equivalent to the amount of produced by all the cars, 
huh. in the United States. But you would still need the cattle. You would still need to shech kosher animals based on what you're but, saying. But the, the number would be dramatically less. Right. So first of all, you wouldn't, you know, on this on a conceptual basis. And we're not talking just in kosher, but in terms of the, you know, the issue of global warming, for those who believe in global warming, hopefully you're one of them. So, um, you know, the, the, um, that, that component of methane and, and you know, the, the carbon footprint would be dramatically diminished, which would be very positive in terms of the environment. Isn't it amazing how things, you know, things seem to go haywire with planet Earth and all of a sudden, you know, God leads us in a direction to start solving the problem? Right. Well, you know, hopefully, I mean, this is a, you know, a partial solution. Right. But in general, the amount, scientists and, and people in the food industry are giving a lot of thought so because as the, as the world population continues to grow, where are we going to produce, where are we going to get the protein for that population? And some of this, the solutions they're thinking about, I mean, this is a partial solution, but part, um, some of the solutions on a worldwide basis, because as the population grows, also because, and partially because of global warming, but for other factors as well, the, the amount of arable um, uh, land globally is shrinking. Right. So where do you get the protein? So what scientists are thinking about is is get, thinking about insects as a source, you know, for for this to get this protein. Now, obviously, that wouldn't be helpful to the Jewish world. It would, unless you it's locust and it's a, you know, you know. I mean, it was something we'd have to think about. Right. Um, but of course, a lot of the insects, uh, of course, are not kosher. Right. So for us, that's not a solution. I'm just saying that the challenge that that people in industry and in science are thinking about this is down the line and and that's why this clean meat is a interesting project both because of its impact on you know on the, on the environment also as a source uh, uh, hopefully as it develops a less expensive source um, of of uh, of protein and meat so it's but it's still it's still in the startup stage Right, Menachem Ganak is with us. He is the CEO of the Kashrus Division at the OU, talking about the clean meat, the uh, New York Times focus this week on quote-unquote kosher bacon, but he explained all that just a moment ago. Um, is there a philosophical angle to all of this uh, that we started out as a society and as a people, and I mean the human race, I'm not talking about the Jewish people, uh, that, that likely was more agrar- agrarian and, uh, and, and likely did not... Um, enjoy meat to the same degree that some of our some of these sections of our society enjoy it today and now we possibly might be heading back in that same direction any philosophical angle to this Rabbi Ganak? well um, I mean again this is not um, this is not not meat you know it is meat I, I mean right. one of the people actually I spoke to him yesterday again I'm going to speak to him again today <laughs> I've been speaking to him about this do we consider it meat or not and he he does consider it meat, but I mean I, I, I mean I, I thought that it's meat because the technology initially I, the way it was described was that they're taking essentially the you know using the DNA as a template the DNA that they extract from an animal mm-hmm. and using that as a template using other materials just to you know f- fashion the meat from that but that, that's not the case it's these these cells will replicate and reproduce. Again, in a, first in a laboratory environment and then in an industrial, you know, situation. So it's really the same cells, just outside the animal, continuing to, to divide and so on and propagate. 
We don't really have restrictions in our tradition when it comes to resemblance, right? Someone makes a matzah meal roll on Pesach, they can eat it even though it looks like a regular roll. And if somebody, I don't know, has a piece of kosher bacon, they can eat it, you know, or faking, they can eat it even though it looks like they're eating a bacon sandwich, right? I mean, there is a, there is a restriction. There'd be an issues of marasayan. So you'd have to, people have to realize what it is. For example, if a person uses almond milk right. and he's cooking meat with it, he has to make sure to put almonds on the table so the people will know that he's not cooking real milk. Hmm. So the issues, you know, that people might misinterpret it, those have to be addressed, but those can be addressed. What do you, what do, you do if you're at a Cholomoid circus and someone pulls out a roll? Is there, is there a way for them to alert everybody that it's really, it's really a Koshla Pesach item? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I guess to a certain point, right. I, and I don't know, you, 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 I mean, your point is well taken. You, you, maybe they'd have to indicate that yeah. this is a, you know, a matzo ball somehow. But, uh, you know, it gets to a certain point that people recognize. What happened with the Impossible Burger when someone wanted to have it with a glass of milk? Did they have to, did they have to indicate that? Or did the restaurant have to, you know, make some type yeah. of... Yeah, we told people that they should, they should try to indicate that this is, you know, we serve Impossible Burger here, or put Impossible Burger... Uh, you know, something on the restaurant. You know, it would be on the menu, obviously, from these bar But they some, somehow people should be alerted to it to to obviate the problem of Marasayan. Wow, unbelievable, boy! We've gotten to 2018, and these are the problems that the Jewish community has. Pretty interesting. Um, problem may be the wrong word. Sounds like we're making a lot of progress in these areas. Yeah, it's it's a problem, but it's really an opportunity. What's the uh, what's the bracha situation on the Impossible Burger? Would it be a would it be regarded as a vegetable, or would it be regarded as a typical burger, as a shahakal, because it looks like a burger? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I assume it's a shahakal only because you know it's been ground up and so on, right. so it's lost its USP. But it's a good question because Salvechik is an example thinks. That that halacha that if it loses its USP, that it no longer you know it's meshed up and so on, is only by ha'etz, not by hadama. So he would have made a hadama on it, which means that he would have made a hadama on Pringles, right? As opposed to what we do, because we generally make a shakal on them, right? Right, and Pringles as opposed to regular potato chips. Right, interesting. Listen, Nachum, keep away from the potato chips. <laughs> hey, I got to be up on my halachas. You know what I mean? Even if I don't eat the stuff. <laughs> Rabbi Ganak, always a pleasure. It's a very interesting article and a very interesting development, to say the least. Anything else you'd like to report to us regarding the OU? Anything come across your desk in the last few weeks that would be of interest to the general public when it comes to the world of Kashrus? Oh, well, I should indicate, but outside of the world of Kashrus, in terms of the OU press, we've just, uh, Dr. Arnold Lustiga has completed his monumental work of, you know, a commentary on Chumash wow. from Rabbi Soloveitchik, and we're having a special event. I think it's October 15th at 9.30 at Yeshiva University at the Uptown campus. Um, several speakers, including the president of Yeshiva University, Rabbi Hesher Shechter, Dr. Lustiger, um, Rabbi Meir Tversky, myself, um, Julie Berman. This will be uh, Simon Posner will be the, who is the, the editor of OU Press, will be mon- monitoring, mon- moderating this program. What date is that? October 15th. I, I hope it's the right day to have. I think that's uh, Sunday. And what's uh, the 15th of Monday, so I guess it'll be the oh, 14th? So this is the 14th. And um, and what's been released? Certain volumes are out already, correct, or not? No, no, no. All of them are out. Now, out, now all, oh, this, all will, five, this, will five. The, this will be the fifth, celebration of right. the fifth and final right. one. Wow. Amazing. And as you know, we've uh, had an opportunity to speak to Arnold Lustiger on the air, and he's just yes. incredible at what he does. 
and uh, so many um, uh, divrei Torah and uh, and really, he really did a wonderful job. It's really, of course, it's the love, so it's yeah spectacular, incredible. Every time I speak to you, I think of something else to ask you about the rose material. Just amazing. Uh, Rabbi Ganak, I thank you in a good jar, and uh, may we continue to come across uh, more wonderful developments in kashras for the Jewish world. Amen. Rabbi Menachem Ganak, he is the CEO of uh, OU's Kashras division. Clean meat, the topic of the day. Five minutes after 8 o'clock, this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com, on the NahumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app.